Hello and welcome to Talking Aussie Books, a new weekly podcast shining a spotlight on Australian fiction. My name is Claudine Tonellis. As a writer and avid reader, I love chatting about books. And in this podcast, I'll chat to authors, publishers and readers, giving you, dear listener, insight into what's hot on the Australian fiction scene. So if you're looking for your next book recommendation or just want to know more about Aussie fiction writers, this podcast is for you. Grab yourself a cuppa, sit back and enjoy. Two years ago to the day, I had the very great fortune to interview my next guest on the release of her debut novel, The One. A story that took us behind the scenes of a popular reality dating show and the lengths someone will go to to find their one true love. This year, she's back with another fabulous novel, a beautiful and moving story about friendship, love and loss that I know many of you will absolutely adore. The novel is called All We Have Is Now, released by Harlequin, and I'm so happy to be welcoming Kanina May back to the podcast today. Hi, Kanina. Hi, Claudine. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe that it's two years to the day. That's kind of serendipitous or something, isn't it? I couldn't agree with you more. Now, it's absolutely wonderful for me to be chatting with you again on the release of your second novel. Congratulations on All We Have Is Now. I thoroughly enjoyed reading this book. So tell me, what kind of feedback are you getting about the novel so far? Oh, Claudine, I've had such lovely feedback about this book. I've had a lot more messages, I must say, much more personal messages um, with this story than I did with my debut. And I think it is because a lot of the issues within the story, people have personally experienced themselves. So they want to reach out and they want to say that they, you know, connected to the story and they connected to the characters and and they want to tell me about an experience that they've been through themselves. And, and that's just one of the most amazing feelings. It's been really lovely. I can imagine it. It would be beautiful. Now, I felt that this book had a different tone than your first in many ways it was a more serious book that touched as you say on some some serious themes so I wanted to ask you was it always your intention to write something like this or was it more about the way the story unfolded for you yes it's funny I didn't set out to write a different book at all it was it was more about the story evolving um I knew quite early on the seed of the story began but kind of first started when a friend or a series of friends actually suffered some all-encompassing losses and you know each of them were heartbroken and they were all like unexpected and all heart-wrenching and each time I wanted to ease the pain but always felt a little bit hopeless and I knew each of their worlds were never going to look the same again Um, and I think that in everyday life people are faced with different kinds of heartbreak and they feel lonely and I wanted to write a story to highlight that that they were not alone and um, I hope that the book explores different ways to manage grief and tries to give hope at the end of a very dark tunnel so the story has a seed of you know an an all-encompassing loss but also at the same time quite early within my writing process the idea of a setting came and so I think it was the marrying of these two places so I set my story in a wellness center so three women have come together to create a business they all are focusing on health and peace and recovery and a place to you know focus on on yourself and I felt that this was a really lovely juxtaposition they're all trying to heal others um, but how can you heal others if you're if you're broken yourself so each of the women have their own issues that they're trying to face and deal with and I take you hopefully on a journey uh, about themselves but also with their business as well we have a Pilates instructor and we have a counsellor and a nutritionist as well so they're all trying to make the best person that you can be but 
sometimes it's hard when you've got other things going on as well. I adored each of the three main characters in this book. There was Elsie and Olive and Brie. Each of these women were bonded by a certain desire to create a healing space in the practice that they set up together, but they were all motivated to do so by different reasons. They couldn't have been more different from one another is what I wanted to say. So, Nina, how did you manage to get into their heads and create such distinct voices for each of them? Yes, well, I think that's something that I tried really hard to do because I know that when you're getting feedback about a manuscript, people or readers or the publisher, they don't want to read a book where the voices can't be distinguished between one another. They want to know that these are very separate voices and um, very separate people. So I did try really hard. (laughs) I don't know if I can explain it exactly how I did it, but I (laughs) tried to. Olive was a character that I've written before. She was in a short story that I wrote. And so her voice is very clear in my mind. I know what she's like. She's very particular about things. She likes things done in an ordered way, in a measured way. My sister actually wrote to me after reading a draft of it and said, is Olive based about me? Because I had written a line about Olive not wanting to go outside um, with her slippers on. And she always takes her slippers off before going outside. And I, I'm the same. I don't like getting my slippers dirty either. In comparison, Brie, one of the characters, I think Brie would walk through wet grass with her slippers on. And it's just trying to get into the mindset of thinking about what one person would do compared to what other people would do. I mean, I don't know which, I don't even know what Elsie would do with her slippers. She probably doesn't own some. She probably pulls socks on. So it's just to, it's just trying to get into the mindset of, of what this person is and who they are. And also I think when you're trying to create when you're first setting out to create your characters I was trying to make sure that they each had different goals even though I needed them to have the same goal of wanting their business to be a success and wanting their business to um, provide this this wonderful service of of peace and recovery that they each needed different things in some ways each of their own goals needs to rub up against each other if that makes sense they needed to kind of offer some abrasions so Olive's strictness and decisiveness needs to in some ways not definitely add direct aversion to what Brie wants but maybe offer opportunities to um, rubber against the wrong way or offer a little bit of friction so that you don't necessarily always have drama between them but there might be a bit of niggling between them or there might be a bit of it might be, be able to offer humor in the scene or um, so I tried to keep that in mind if, every time I had them cross if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely makes sense, but it's so reflective of real life in many ways because, you know, we all have friends that we adore, but there are little things about them that (laughs) annoy us. I mean, that's just the reality, you know. And as I mentioned in my introduction, this book touched on some raw themes, things that many readers may be able to relate to, things like grief over the loss of a loved one, caring for elderly and sick parents, drug addiction, coping with blended families. These are heavy issues, but Having said that, I thought that you managed to weave these issues and themes through the narrative in a seamless and effortless way. So did you set out to deal with these issues consciously? Um, Some of the issues were conscious decisions um, that I wanted to write stories about certain elements. And then other ones I think just came naturally as the story progressed. I'm part of a step family myself and have always been. So when... I decided that Elsie has a, had a stepson. That was just an that wasn't me setting out to write the conflict that c- comes within her story. That actually happened quite naturally. That I could understand the pulls and nuances that are involved with having 
a relationship like that. And Jonah, who's the stepson, he actually happened to be one of my favourite characters. He was just so innocent and lovely. I found like thinking, well, how can't you fall in love with him? And what he offered to the story was really important in the end. And Olive deals with a parent suffering from Alzheimer's. Now, that was an issue that um, has always been quite special important in my heart because my grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease when I was only about 13 I think oh sorry no that's when she passed away she had it for five years so I was in primary school so most of my memories of my grandmother are in a nursing home and her in her case it was quite a sudden loss in my mind obviously as a child I would have been hidden from a lot of the things Um, but my mother tells a story that one day her her mum my nana was walking around the garden with her and then the next day she couldn't remember how to walk couldn't get out of bed so obviously there have been things where she couldn't remember along the way but I think that this just that always plays in my mind about how devastating that loss is that that the person's still there physically but they're not the same person inside or they mentally can't remember things I mean it's just heartbreaking to think that sometimes we would go visit her and she didn't know who my mum was and to not know your own child like that's just devastating on both accounts I think of myself now as a mother and think imagine if that happened that you wouldn't remember your own children so it's just as soon as you go into that that issue or that story it was just such a heavy place to go at, at times and really taxing emotionally knowing that it was uh, something that affected my family but also I wanted to really focus on the fact that there's no way to heal a hurt and that everyone moves through that kind of grief differently um, and that I think sometimes people might get stuck in their mind of this is how you should grieve or this is how you're supposed to deal with something or this is how you should process it but that's not right everyone's got to do it in their own way and I wanted the book to kind of open the opportunity for a wider vision of that. Following on from that Janina can you maybe explain if you had to do any research or what research that you had to do to bring this story to the page? Yeah I did I did a lot of research and that was in different forms so with some of the stories that I won't actually say exactly what the issues are are because it comes within the story but I spoke to friends and I had uh that had experienced the issues and I had one of them read the whole draft and offered a lot of insight which was fantastic prior to that I spent a lot of time in forums reading people's people's own experiences for different elements within the book and I found that the forums were really fantastic they just offered the emotional aspect of things That's because you can research online and in books about all the different stages of Alzheimer's, for example, but you don't get the personal experience that the forums offer. So that's probably where I did most of my research. Listening to podcasts as well about certain subjects I did as well. Reading other books if I knew that they touched on that subject to see how they dealt with it. Yes, my friend was very, very helpful. And I also talking to mum about the Alzheimer's going back. And yes, there's I think you constantly, when you're writing, researching, I'm constantly Googling things just to see if you can find a little bit more. So I should say that with the Wellness Centre, that actually came when I first started writing it. My youngest child was only going to preschool one day a week and it would have been around an hour round trip to 
drop her and come home. Um, so I ended up just dropping her and going straight to my local library. And so when I was first getting the ideas and I kind of had a few ideas of what I wanted to do with the element of grief and the element of wanting three women to be working together or the three women to be together, and I was looking through wellness magazines in the, mag in the library. And so I looked through a lot of different wellness magazines. And so then I was jotting down ideas from articles that were, in, were within the magazine. And that was where the very first kind of marrying of the idea and the setting came. So thanks to the library and their magazines. <laughs> Always got to plug the library. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the setting of this book couldn't have been more, more different than the setting of your first book. <laughs> the events of this book take place on the mid-north coast somewhere, a bit closer to home for you, right? Yeah, so it's only about half an hour from where I live, the, the town of Wingham it's called. I wanted to ask you much of your writing is inspired by your surroundings? Well I think it's heavily at the moment isn't it? So I wrote the one after being after working in television and all the behind the scenes elements that I wanted to incorporate within that book. Now in in the one I actually did use close local places as well so one of the characters in the one her hometown is Gloucester which is only about an hour away from me and then another one's hometown is Port Macquarie which is another hour in a different direction so I think I'm too scared to write places that I don't know so that's which is funny because I did an interview uh, at a library I had it in conversational conversation with Fiona MacArthur who lives about an hour and a half from me and she commented that she said she's the opposite she always might base it on a real place but gives it a fictional name which is something that maybe I should have thought from the get-go but I've also had on the flip side of that I've had lots of people comment and say oh my gosh they went to the garden grub for breakfast which is a local cafe and and that they went to Bago Maze which is another place that's a, a not far so I've had people really enjoying the local elements for people that I know or people that are around this area but I think after writing the obviously my life has kind of really moved on of working in television and I think the you know the fast paced and the behind the scenes and the sometimes you know glossy and perhaps catty I wanted a different pace myself I was kind of craving that sea change I guess or that you know rural change you know what is it called escape to the country or something so I wanted something that was really kind of kind and so Wingham is a beautiful little town and it really I imagine would be the perfect place for um, Healing Hands, my wellness centre. They're a little bit alternative. They're open to different, you know, people being different and people embracing different changes. They're, they're surrounded by farms. Yeah, it's, it's just a really lovely place. Very sadly, they were really hammered in the, our local floods that we had not that long ago. And um, Wing and Brush that appears in my book it's not even open at the moment because it was you know just hit so badly by the storms and the, the floods but yes I definitely think that I I um, have written a setting set in both cases settings that I know I've never run a wilderness center myself though but I I, I often thought it would be a very nice place to work indeed I think so too <laughs> hands in particular sounds like a wonderful place to work <laughs> Kanina, what would you like most for readers to take away from this book? I just hope that it's a story that people can connect with. And probably one of the biggest things is what I was saying earlier is that there is no one way to heal a hurt and that 
grief is universal and grief is relatable and I hope that people realise how much this story comes from the heart. I think it's always, if I, I hopefully will go on to write more books, but I think that this story is always going to stay really special in my heart because it was a story that I believed that needed to be told. What have you learned about yourself and your writing since we last spoke? And what advice would you give to your unpublished self if you had the chance? Oh, gosh. Probably one of the biggest changes I've had between writing the one and all we have is now is that I've moved to Scrivener, which for me I have found quite amazing because in both instances I've written three different women so with the one I felt like I was scrolling back and forth I don't (laughs) I kind of plot and I kind of pant so I don't feel like that I'm one in particular but I go back and forth I often back from my tv training I often have an idea for what I what in my mind I call a spotlight scene so I know what I want that scene to be but it might be, you know, two thirds of the way through the story. So then I write that scene and then I'll write a note for myself of how um, I need to see an idea in earlier or see several ideas in earlier. So Scriven is a great place where I can just add these new little document sections, kind of like post-its to say, you need to add this, you need to add, you know, you need to add ABC in here somewhere. And then the same for the follow through that I need to pull that thread through essentially and add further scenes so in word I found that really hard in Scrivener I love that element one thing that I've learned with writing the two different books and I'm now trying to finish a third with the one I knew the ending really early on and for all we have is now I didn't I didn't know how it was going to all come together and even during the edits that very last page it took me a long time to get it right, the right tone and the right message and just, you know, changing, you know, different words and the right emotion and just, you know, really hitting it, like that final, you know, that final feeling. Well, I found that really hard to get. And even the book that I'm working on now, I, I, I'm in a similar position where I think, why haven't I figured it, this ending out? It would be so much better because I felt like I was really working towards the end in the one. So I've made internal promises when I start another book is to get that ending nailed down because I find it really hard. I recently heard or read somewhere that Jane Harper starts from the ending and works backwards and I think that that's so smart and brilliant and I um yeah I really want to try that but I haven't done it yet clearly I haven't (laughs) but I'm I'm still I think my writing process is constantly evolving still I'm still trying to figure it out and I, I write myself notes everywhere I, every time I get stuck, I think, oh, I need to, I need to read it from the beginning and, <laughs> and get back into the flow of it. I think that that's just natural too with, you know, having all lots of other things going on in life and the kids that you think, oh, where am I? You might be so involved with the story at 2.50 and then suddenly you go, oh, my gosh, it's school pick up and I've got to go. And you think I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to finish that when I get home. I'm going to finish that tonight or tomorrow. And then you sit back down in the, and so much has happened since then that it's really hard to 
get back into that exact same headspace or you know the flow of writing I feel like I'm still very much learning yeah I often wonder how people evolve you know between book one and two and three and so on and whether or not you know they would change anything or you know what they've learned about themselves but I agree with you you know there's so many obstacles and and different ways (laughs) and and it's a constantly evolving process I think and I think you've said it perfectly well but when I interviewed Jane she told me that that um, it was yours there you go starts from the end and I have to say that I wish I had taken her advice when I was working (laughs) I think she needs to do some courses I'm like okay so for example I want to know what that last scene is and then how you figure it out I mean, especially when she's adding twists in there, I'm thinking, yes, I mean, it just sounds so clever because... Well, it is clever. It's exactly what you need to know because the reality is, you know, I knew exactly what my story was going to be, but I had no idea how it was going to end. And so I think I spent three months deliberating how yes. it's going to end it's not efficient stunning at the end is much more efficient we shall both do it next time claudine okay all right so we know that you're working on something else at the moment can you offer us any little tidbits of you know information about that book this one's about two friends and it's over about a um, two decades so it's just a it's another friendship book I feel like I really enjoyed writing the friendships within all we have is now and seeing how you can kind of bounce off each other one thing that I found in the one even though it was about the three women their stories were all quite separate uh, it was kind of the circumstance that was connecting them but they didn't have all that many scenes together and they weren't friends essentially and you know, I think friendship's such an important thing in women's lives and you get by with the help of your friends. So I think that I wanted to do that as well. But I also wanted to, in both cases, both um, all we have is now in the current one that I'm working on that doesn't have a title, I want to also show that friendship is quite rocky at times and that it's hard work to be friends and there are different things that offer stress on relationships. And so that's what I've we're kind of exploring but also the power friendship is quite you know solid over 20 years a friendship that survived that long is generally a very good one that's my um, very long-winded waffly pitch <laughs> that I clearly need to work on oh that's wonderful not waffly at all I loved it thank you (laughs) so Kanina if listeners wanted to find out more about you and your books where can they do that um I've got a website which is kaninamay.com Kanina is very hard to spell which is makes life very tricky as an author but it's k-a-n-e-a-n-a and then may is simple m-a-y I also am on Facebook and Instagram as Kanina May Writer Nina, I'm so happy to have had the chance to speak with you about this beautiful book. I wish you every success with it and the others that will no doubt follow. Thank you for joining me on Talking Aussie Books. Oh, thanks so much, Claudine. Well, that's a wrap, folks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or drop me a line via my Instagram at Claudine Tinellis or on my webpage, claudinetinellis.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, happy reading.